Hello, I'm Mike McCorn, and you're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. It's that time again. Love it. Oh, boy. Ah, yes. Missed you guys. Yeah, samesies. Yeah. Off-site, raced home so I could fresh and clean for y'all today. That's wonderful. You best get used to doing it every day. It's coming. Is it? I hope so. Man, I would love for it to... Oh, listen, if the meeting goes the way I think it's going to go tomorrow, it might be just better for me to do it every day. Wow. I'm optimistic. You dapped violence today. I did, yeah. I, mm, yeah, best, best not get into it. We no. don't, you don't need to leave a paper trail. But we definitely leave a paper trail because this, what, what, is 11 O'Clock Comics, episode 819. It's a stretch. Mm. And I am Vince B. You are Vince B. I am David A. Price. Indeed you are. And I'm coming to you from the love boat because I'm Jerry O'Connell. Oh, <laughs> wow. You are not Jerry O'Connell. You are Jason Wood. Although, there is a similarity. A slight similarity in okay, your appearance. Okay, I'll take that. I'll yes. He's a handsome fella. I'll he is that. a very handsome fella. Yeah. yeah. I thought you were going way back to, to the... And he's married to a Trekkie. Yes, this is true. And they're both they're, and they're both Trekkies. Wait, he is? He's a, he's a voice on Lower Decks. Is he really? Yes, he is. I did not know that. There wow. you go. Boom, boom. Yes. And once again, we must genuflect in front of the people that make this possible, our wonderful patrons. Yes, indeedy. Each and every day they are here for us, so we like to be here for them. Meaning, they give to us, we give back in the form of audio, video, images, downloads, polls. You get to participate in the book of the month. And, best of all, the dedicated Slack channel, where we gather all the time, 24-7, and talk about everything literally everything under the sun it is a wonderful literally, literally scotty literally. It, it is a wonderful wonderful thing and if you would like to get a, an inside view on it go to the patreon site patreon.com slash 11 o'clock comics one one no apostrophe take a look around you'll see that there's a lot of content on there but it pales in comparison to the content within the confines of the slack channel yes uh, we would love to have you as part of our extended family. So uh, check it out. I think what you're trying to say is come aboard. We're expecting you. Mm. Oh, boy. It's really not. Uh, uh, hey, Julie, where do you keep your drugs? Oh, don't talk about Oh, this. Yeah. Don't do it. Don't do it. Harsh. Yes. I would like to say, before we get into the thick of things, a very happy birthday. Because when this episode airs, it will be his birthday. A very, very happy birthday to the maestro, Dave Wachter. Oh, very nice. Uh, yes. Well, since, since you since you broached the door, uh, then th- let's wish a happy belated birthday, because it uh, was a few days ago, of uh, of none other than uh, Mr. D.W., Daniel White. Woo-hoo. Oh, happy birthday, D.W. Mm-hmm. Nice. All our friends. There's are- a perfect example of the slack coolness. Apparently, D.W. Had, scru- had scrubbed all the social media including his Facebook profile of his birthday. So there was no record of it. There were nobody was getting an alert like, hey, it's it's uh, D-Dub's birthday. But, of course, the Slack family knew because they know him that it was his birthday. 
and, and shouted him out. And there's a spreadsheet now, isn't there? With all the birthdays in it or something? Allegedly. Yeah, yeah that's cool. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Right, it's just it, nothing pleases a birthday person than having a plethora of people just shout them out. Yo, happy birthday, my dude. That's the best. It's true. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, tis the season to be scary, correct? And Indeed. my libation of choice for this episode is from Benny Brew Company. It is called Hoppenstein. Uh, Rammstein. Yeah, Rammstein. It is uh, India Pale Ale, and on the can, there's a picture, there's an illustration, rather, of the Frankenstein monster with a a staff in his hand. Uh, it looks kind of, it's Toxic Avenger-ish. He's got, it looks like a giant mop, but it's not. Um, and the end of the staff is a giant hop. Hence the name. Look at that. Hoppenstein. So uh, it's very good. And it's 16 ounces, and I have two of them. Got it. Yep. Uh, I am holding a glorious X-Men, a John Byrne X-Men Toon Tumbler. Remember the Toon Tumblers? I do. Yeah. So I got this here X-Men Toon Tumbler, and uh, and in it is some glorious iced coffee with oat milk. Mm. Okay. Sounds delicious. Really does. Mm-hmm. What do you got, Dap? Uh, I am finishing a whiskey sour courtesy of the Bartesian, and I will follow that up with some, because um, it's kind of, it's a little nip in here. I had the window open up here, so I'm trying to uh, unchill myself with uh, some Evan Williams single barrel vintage uh, Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey. Nice. You shouldn't have opened the bottle of the thing that you put on the slack because we should have been saving that for the arrival of a very special guest. Yes, and I wanted to taste it because oh, I, I had to let the guests know what I thought of it. Oh, um, you did uh, contact them? Yes. Nice. That's awesome. And, and, Good for you. Uh, yeah, and, and so it's... um. I think I really, really think you'll like this. And um, you've been granted a reprieve. Nice. Yeah. But I'm not. It, it's whenever a company comes over, my next door neighbor comes over. Like I'm going to hide that bottle. I don't want him to think it's available for us to sip on one night. So I have to make sure that uh, I still have some. Um, I, he does, that appearance. He doesn't go in your cabinets and shit, does he? He's got a code to the front door for when we have boxes outside. What? Yeah, so uh, a couple of my neighbors do. So this way, if uh, because well, I, got I don't, that. I got the code. Huh? Yes, you do too. Yeah, everybody's got a code that I know. Yeah, but you, it's, you weren't the one so that gave he, it to me, though. <laughs> I'm not I, saying I don't even have that code. But <laughs> yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's uh, talk about the things we tend to talk about on this show, which are comics. Oh, the books. The comics. Yeah, the Book books. Of the books. Uh, I can go first, but nobody wants to start with the best thing, and then it's all downhill from there. So, oh, yeah. okay, I well. think. Well, all right. See, now this is you're right, Vince. I'm not starting with this, but I absolutely for I I go out of my way. Not I don't always go out of my way, but I I try to find something good in everything I'm reading because I don't. We're not here to bring the negative, even if you know it's it's granted. But I just want to make sure that everything I read that there wasn't. I don't want to feel like I wasted my time. So I always try to find something positive to spin out of it. But I absolutely did read something 
that is hands down one of the best things I've read, not just this year, but likely within the past five years. This book was phenomenal, and I can't wait to talk about it. So we're not oh. starting with this. Well, we're going to have a battle because I don't know what you read. I but. can't wait. I, I, well, I know, I know you would not think the same things about this particular book that I thought. But uh, Well, I'm, I'm looking at your, your list right now. Well, wait. Is it the book that I talked about a year or two ago when it came out? Probably. I don't know. This, this just came out from Dark Horse, so maybe. Oh, no. I'm not talking about Dark Horse. All right, then. But you know what? Screw it. I'm going first. Go for it. Yeah. Oh, I um, am talking about it. Dude, I did a... Okay. Yeah, because it was originally published from Europe Comics. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's fine. It is that thing. Yeah, yeah, okay. I forgot that Dark Horse put it out in hard in a paper, yeah. paper paper form. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Oh, in paper form. Yeah, yeah. It's a hardback, but yeah. Go ahead, Vince. Well, I have. Well, to... I have four things too that I also think are all all timers. So I see, perfect. This is great. It's an all time show. It's all time. Awesome. Around. Yeah. Oh, there you go. I I hesitate to see how anything you guys bring is going to top this, but whatever. <laughs> you know, it is what it is. Um, I have to tip my hat to the person that made this possible because without his involvement, uh, chances are very, very good. I would not even know that these books existed in the first place. And the man in question is Jefferson, our brother, sent me um, three issues of a series. uh, And he said, my man, if anyone would appreciate these things, it's you. Because the title of the series in question is Death, Destruction, Vice, and Sleaze. And Jefferson said, you know, I got the collection of these, and who better to pass on the individual issues to than you? And I was like, okay. And uh, I took a look at them, and I immediately was uh, captivated, enraptured. Um, They're written and illustrated by Jake Kelly. All of the books are um, subtitled True Crime from Cleveland's Past. And there are three issues. Uh, Doomsday Map, Shadows Will Fall, and In the New Era. And you got to read them in that order, more or less. The, the third you can read any, in any sequence. But the first two I would read Doomsday Map and then Shadows Will Fall. Um, and they're available on his Big Gartel site. And I will put the link within the show notes for this episode. So if you like what you hear and you like the imagery that accompanies the episode thread for this uh, here thing, go to his cartel and order them. They're amazing. They're true crime books, as it says, you know, in the title. And um, it's really neat because Kelly uses um, the Cuyahoga River, which is a, a river that snakes through Cleveland and it actually bisects the place. So you have, you know, east and west sides. And he uses it as a storytelling device. It's kind of like Twilight Zone a little bit, right? Where you have this thread that weaves its way through all the stories. Um, and the river does exactly that. It, it flows through all the tales. But the cool thing is the river carries objects relevant to each story. Or case since all the stories are true crime tales right uh there's a judge's gavel an acoustic guitar a hard hat etc and all of these stories are exhaustively researched and sources are cited which i loved right because if you if you um got crazy over story you can always research it you can go beyond the comic and find out what actually you know the pertinent details in other forms right 
So the sources are usually the Cleveland Plain Dealer, the Cleveland Press, uh, Colin Post, uh, pertinent books on the subjects. Plus, if that wasn't enough, there's commentary from the author in the back pages of the comic. There's footnotes. Uh, he'll he'll tag a panel with a footnote, and he'll tell you exactly what that image is from or where he got it. it, it does, it's just amazingly, exhaustively researched, right? So in Doomsday Map, it's about the attempted murder of a Shaker Heights psychiatrist named Irving Rosen. And not long after, the bombing of the Shaker Heights Police Department. Both events were perpetrated by a 21-year-old failure named Martin Burns. Well, I guess I shouldn't call Burns a, a failure. He was quite successful at spreading misery and pain, but he did fail in both of his tasks. He fired at Rosen five times. He only hit him twice. Neither wound was fatal. And this is the crazy thing about this story. The bomb he constructed to destroy the police department, a, a, a place filled with people, right? Cops, um, the person working the desk, detectives, like there was a ton of people in this, this police department. He outfitted the bomb with a radio detonator so he could trigger the bomb from a safe distance, right? But as he's walking into the police department with the bomb, Irving Rosen's wife called the police department to report that her husband had been shot, and the woman at the desk, Donna Pagliardo, radios the policeman to go to the Rosen house, and when she does that, she unwittingly detonates the bomb. A boo! Like the, the it explodes. So you you have a police department filled with people, and the only person that died was Martin Burns because he was holding the bomb. Like that's insane to me that the woman working the call desk who was in proximity to the bomb, people were flown out, were thrown out of windows. They they were buried under rubble in the base. Like it was insane, and nobody but Burns died. That's mind-boggling. But the way it's illustrated and, and the way the story plays out, I'm telling you, you'll be riveted. It's really amazing. So why did Burns propel himself down a river, to continue with the metaphor, the river of death and destruction? And what's up with the, the titular map? Read the issue and find out. Right? I'm not going to give too much away because there, there are, you know these are... Not, they're not mysteries, but they're true crimes. So there's a lot of details that are fascinating, and I don't want to spill the beans on those. In the second issue, called Shadows Fall, it it details the seemingly unrelated murders of a black folk singer and aspiring club owner. His name was Ted Brown, with an E, and a woman named Marlene Steele, who was the wife of a judge named Robert Steele. So Brown, he was a devout man of God. He was killed by a man posing as a hitchhiker. The guy's got the thumb out, and he pulls up, he, late at night, and he pulls up to the guy, and he's like, hey, brother, you know, where are you going? Guy pulls a gun out of his pants, boom, shoots him, kills him, right? And remember, the, all of these series 
all of the stories are set in the early 70s. So civil rights movements were, were, were still ramping up, and there was a lot of people clinging to the old ways of thought, right? And uh, so Marlene, the, the wife of the judge, she was assassinated, two shots to the head, while sleeping in her bed. And Kelly expertly weaves the Sam Shepard case uh, into the proceedings. And, and the Shepard case was one of Cleveland's most notorious murder trials. Um, mistakes were made uh, in the the early stages of the trial, which, I mean, it was a fiasco. Um, and the police didn't want the same to happen with the uh, Steele case because the husband was uh, suspect number one, right? Uh, they didn't want that to happen again. So they, they took steps to distance themselves from the media. Um, so, but the, the, the gist is, are the two murders connected somehow, right? Once again, I got to tell you, read the issue and find out. Uh, you know this was coming because the last issue is called In the New Era, and it's a sleazy tale of Cleveland uh, Street known as Short Vincent's. And it was a home to burlesque joints and gambling dens. And then when burlesque faded and the strip clubs and the porno huts moved in, um, the surroundings started to change. And uh, they moved in a direction not commonly seen as positive, let's just say. But uh, the, the story is told through the eyes of a man named David Klein, who at the time, in 1976 was a high school senior and uh he details his memories of this new era burlesque joint and the antics of uh, uh a star attraction named fifi fondu who had a pet gorilla and we we see the many ways in which the eager clientele were separated from their money and the antics most of which were illegal of of the strippers both on stage and off and as promised we get to see fifi fondue's filthy escapades with her gorilla and while mm, the events are not explicit but there's a lot of nudity and debauchery in this issue like at one point she she scoots on up to the front of the stage and there's a guy, you know, you know the patrons of these places, they get enthused and in, involved and he, he goes up to the front of the stage, she takes his glasses off and she inserts the glasses into an orifice. Um, you don't see it, you see the back of her. But what I'm, I guess what I'm trying to get at is, like burlesque, sometimes events hinted at are far more arousing than those explicitly detailed, right? And that's, I think, the power of this issue. You really don't see the 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 meat, but you see a lot of the potatoes, okay? Um, there's even a detailed history of the rise of coin-operated peep shows, like the Scopatone. Um, dearly departed friend of mine, Mike Vraney, uh, schooled me on the scopatone and all of the the uh nudies and cuties the the reels that they would uh distribute for people to go and you pop a coin in you'd look into the the viewfinder and you'd see like a a two or three minute um short little 
like a short film, most of which were like at the time when they first started coming up fairly tame, but as you know things moved in a certain direction, they became hardcore you know full on stag films and and eventually that morphed into the porno theaters and the no hold barred uh strip clubs and um the the history also details the people and the establishments that turned a, a hefty profit from this kind of stuff it's it's totally engrossing like um, um, i didn't want to but i've read all three issues in in one shot and they are dense as hell they're meaty extended reads like the the text is thick uh, it's a lot of information that he has to get done right um, you're not going to blow through these issues in 10 minutes, guaranteed. Um, Style-wise, uh, it's very reminiscent of uh, Stray Bullets, uh, down to the art. I think um, Kelly's work looks, to my eyes, it's very reminiscent of David Lapham. Yeah, the, I'm looking at the art. I was going to say the first thing I thought of when I saw the art was it was Lapham. So yeah, right there's, there's a touch of Kim Deitch maybe a, a, no uh, there's definitely a hint of charles burns in in, in the way he uh arranges uh an image the compositional skills are very close to to charles burns i absolutely adored these issues i loved every page of them this guy's on my radar forever i will buy anything that he chooses to publish um no question so uh, yeah if you want to check this stuff out and you're not you know internet savvy and go to our website to get this url it's jake kelly art dot big cartel dot com that's jake kelly art dot big cartel dot com he's phenomenal he's it's, it, you, it's a revelation and and i i absolutely uh, i'm gonna read them again because i'm sure there there's there's things that i i missed the first time around Absolutely. Damn revelatory. Mine's dropping things like revelation up on us. Absolutely Seriously. astounding, astounding stuff. Love Respect. it. I got to thank Jefferson for sending them to me. Like I said, I would have no idea that this man and his work existed without Jefferson. Well, I'm going to, then let's do it. Let's do it. Thank our, our friend slash patron Orama then. I don't know because, if I can come up with that title like that, but okay. No, you. Yeah, I listen. Don't sell yourself short. You're a master of these things. <laughs> yeah. Because I wouldn't be able to talk about this particular book unless our brother from another mother, Davin Pasek, didn't send it to me. Oh, nice. What is it? He sent me these the beautiful soft cover collection of Dynamite Diva, One Eyed Wild Ride by Jasper Jubinville. Nice. Silence from Vince. This is this, this, no Vince was typing. This is how Vince does it. Oh, you, you mute and type. <laughs> yes, nobody wants to hear clack 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 while I'm. I see getting I these see. show notes down. <laughs> yes. Well, so so as as we have discussed in uh, before, Dynamite Diva is a has been a bit of a uh, buzzy indie comic for the last few years, and uh, and it was uh, put out in in mainly in three issues, uh, zine style like self published issues as well as. Um, a bunch of short stories and and one-offs in in different uh, you know different underground comic anthologies and zines and the like, but uh, but there was no central place to get it, and even if you had heard about it, it was kind of hard to get it unless you you really, you really had to track it down at a place. And um, and then they did a Kickstarter uh, that that collected it all, and uh, and not just collected it all, but 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 colored the main issues, and and you know it's just a whole to do. 
Uh, I completely missed the Kickstarter, didn't even know it had happened. So after the fact, you started hearing some of our crew rave about this stuff. And uh, and and I, I mentioned that I, I couldn't find a copy. And the next thing I know, uh, this glorious copy arrives at my door, thanks to Davin. Um, the weird thing about me talking about this book is that uh, it is uh, visually, uh, and, and Jasper is unapologetically... Uh, drawing at the foot of Chester Gould. Uh, the, the, he, he, he is obsessed with Chester Gould, and this book looks like Chester Gould drew it. But the big difference is that uh, this book is like if Chester Gould had been uh, handed the keys to Robert Crumb's world and, uh, and, and said, draw, you know, crazy indie shit, you know, action, sex, raw stuff that uh you know that you wouldn't normally see in the uh relatively demure and uh and noirish dick tracy um it's a it's a goddamn tour de force you know and i know i'm late to the party on this one um but it is incredible and the packaging is just phenomenal i mean in between each issue are just just tons of awesome like one page ad interstitials and this reminded me a lot in the way it's put together of um of aphrodisiac in that rug put this book together right where it was it was the the character was was just used in lots of different styles and aesthetics and 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 all the, the little one shots almost looked like they were drawn by different people as pinups but ultimately they were all done by rug same thing here juvenville just just gives us everything from from you know um like like call out ads to to um to like um you know little black and white comic strippy uh, stories to full-on, fully rendered, um, you know, fully colored, uh, long-form uh, adventures. Dynamite Diva is a um, a voluptuous uh, femme fatale. She's uh, sort of a badass. Looks, frankly, she kind of looks a little bit like uh, if Chester Gould drew Domino, because <laughs> she's got a uh, she's got a, a, a she wears a patch over her left eye. She's 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 missing her left eye. Um, and she's uh, she's she's black haired and wears most of the time she wears a a black leather bodysuit and and um, so yeah she's she's a little she, domino esque she's got a little Betty Boop in her too definitely that's well, sure. exactly I think, yep. yeah I think that's that's the more that's the more uh, on the nose comparison um, and then there's like really cool pinups in the book too like with from people like Kent Landgraf and Tom Neely and and a, and a bunch of others but. Um, but I, I devoured this book. I, I cannot believe that the entirety of this, and there's hundreds of pages of stuff in here. Um, I don't have the page count handy, but um, the, the craziest part of all this to me is that, is, that, is that Jasper did all this by the time he was 21. Mm-hmm. This is from ages of 19 to 21. And uh, he was started drawing comics when he was in high school for fun. And when he graduated, he worked for a little while, saved up enough money to be able to self-publish, and then just went went at it. And and if that's if this dude is doing this kind of stuff at 21, I I I am absolutely turgid over what oh, he's going to be doing when he's 30. I mean, no, because it's so exciting. I mean, yeah. he's fully formed. I mean, this is not a case where like you you look at the art and you think, oh you know this is there's something there and i can't wait to see what he's like when he when he really becomes accomplished the art is breathtakingly accomplished already 
um, as is his storytelling, his panel layouts, his his, his sense of humor, um, and and clearly he has devoured and has been a real student of of all the great underground comics creators, and he pays homage to them all here. Um, so I just I don't know how hard this book is to come up on because it wasn't solicited in previews. It's it's not you know it isn't something unfortunately you can get like on Amazon or in stock trades, but but man oh man. Um, Certainly, given the the texture of the majority of our listenership, uh, this is if if I'm sure many of them already have it. But if you don't have this, then add it to your list for for whether you're bin diving or whether you're at cons or the next time you're at a uh, you know a great comic store that 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 has indie stuff. But but this is a must have. It is exceptional, um, and uh, it almost makes me think that I should revisit Dick Tracy because. I, <laughs> Because I love the I love the Chester Gold style art in this vein, uh, it definitely works for me. And he even does play pay homage to Chester Gold directly, and let like there's like the uh, the Rogues Gallery pinups, you know, nice. Like with and, and and where each each Rogue has got a different look and character design and a little biography, and um, uh, it's just terrific, you know. It's just it's it's an absolute like it's perfection, and it's naughty, and it's it's. It's bloody and it's gory and it's sexy. It's it's all things. So, um, yeah, don't be dumb. Get yourself some Dynamite Diva. Well, I'm dumb. I I really got to get my hands on this. Well, um, listen, we all none of us got our hands on it when it came right. out. But but uh, but but fortunately, uh, fortunately, at least uh, one loving friend uh, was able to, to to get a copy out. Well, like, maybe you should uh, listen to your buddy Dap because he talked about it previously. I know I wasn't on the episode though, just be fair. Oh, he that's right. He was, However, <laughs> it was it was sent to me from one of our dearly beloved and I uh, I'll, I'll he deserves another shout out. So what the hell it is the season. Our boo Ray hooked me up with my copy. Oh, Ray's nice. yeah, yeah. a good oh, man. Shit. Nice. Yeah, yeah cuz he backed it and he ended up having an extra copy. Well, goddamn. Yeah. Yep. So that was number 1. Number 2. Well, I didn't listen to the episode, so tell me, did you love it as much as I did? <laughs> Oh, 100%, dude. It okay. was it was absolutely... Yeah. I mean, I, I I get why everybody's going gaga over it. It is... it's And it is so... It's so jam-packed. I mean, because it is... It's the three issues of what he's done so far, and there are a couple of stories. There's one in Spanish. But there are a couple of stories that are just... I mean, panel upon panel. There's a fear and loathing kind of riff, but there is... There's so many panels packed on some of these pages. It's insane. And, and there's nothing... You know, absolutely... Didn't chintz out on anything, any of the aside from the packaging, but just the stories themselves. But um, no, it's it's it is it's a fantastic find. I think it, it's got it's a ton of fun. Um, is it? I don't want to. It's it's not for everybody. It's for most of our listeners for sure. But it is. Um, it's. It, it, there are some things that people probably just won't be grooving to uh whether it's the look or the stories or the violence or what have you but i thought it was a um it's it it's it's an absolute joy it, it's one of my mm-hmm. it's one of those things that make me happy about being a comic book fan it's yep. why i love this medium so much by the way uh we're half-stepping because uh dynamite diva is not does not yield any results in our search it should so i was i was going to shout out what episode dap talked about dap it, even uh, corrected me because i spelled it wrong yes yeah. Well, it's not coming up in the search, so I got to tell you. Well, blame Libsyn or WordPress, whatever the hell it is. But yeah. um, my number two was I 
do not think you'd vibe with early Dick Tracy. Uh, mm. But if you don't connect with Gould style late sixties and seventies, I got no, I got no hope for you. You're mm. just totally off your rails. Right on. Because he ref- on. he refines that style over over the years, and by the time leading into his retirement, man, he was absolutely incredible. Yeah, it's it's it, it's just it's dumb to me that that. The Juneville's only twenty one. Like, well, at least what was when he finished. Yeah. That. That, that's we aren't crazy. we aren't supposed to say that anymore. What? That? Wow, this kid's young. That's it's not it's not relevant. He okay? He's young. I Great. You, you, I know that's your worldview. That's not my worldview. I, I think to 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 be that accomplished at a young age is 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 additive because it's unusual. Most people don't peak what? or reach reach a full reach their there, this level of, of achievement at any craft at this age. Well, you have to be born with a propensity for the craft. Um, but sure. yes, you can be taught and, and you could, you could, you know, do your due diligence and spend hours and hours and hours at, at the drawing table. But if you don't have that seed from birth, you'll never have it. Yeah. And we see it. We see guys who've, who've come up, they, they, cultivated a, a certain visual voice and obviously they're happy with it because it never changes it never gets better um or it never evolves let's just say they're mm-hmm. you know um this guy is amazing um but the thing is as he experiences and learns and 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 hones his craft even more like what's he going to be like that's what I'm saying. I know I know that's what you're saying but we should celebrate what is as opposed to what could possibly be right? oh for sure i mean he's fully formed like there's nothing i don't have any like it, i would to your, i mean i think the point you're getting at is is i like there is no age qualifier in this book necessary in the sense no. that like it it doesn't that that's why i'm impressed by it because it, it like i just if, if i didn't know this person's age and and i will say to, to in in defensive of, of of my stance here on the back of this it says like the the very introduction blurb says, uh, two years of work over the ages of nineteen to twenty one. Like so, so he himself is calling attention to the fact that he did yeah. all this by the time he was twenty one. I so. get it. You do me. I just I, uh, yeah. I don't think age. We've gone over it before. Yeah. It's. I think it's amazing that uh, someone half my age could conceive and and create something this amazing. So for sure. Yeah. For sure. There you go. Nice. Did you guys watch the uh, the Simon Hanselman short on on that? No. That, no. Not yet. No. Oh, it's great. It's good. It, I it, mean, I'm, I was hoping you would like it. That's yes, it's it's short, uh, hence the name, mm-hmm. uh, and it's surrounded by a sea of shit. But uh, <laughs> I think the Hanselman short was wonderful. Oh, it's it's part of an anthology or something. Yeah, oh, okay. yeah, and it's just it's terrible. Oh, I see. There you go. But yay for Simon, my man. Boom. There you go. Dap, what 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 is have you been reading that's that's stoking your fires there? Um well the uh one thing that I did enjoy um was this was kind of my first this is I'm familiar with the character. I know he's been around for a long time, but I've never read an actual full-length 
story with this character. So Vince, I have to thank you for giving me the nudge to buy it from uh, that guy selling his dollar books at New York uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, this is Crime and Punishment. Martial Law Takes Manhattan. And um, like I said, I've read very little martial law. So this was kind of new to me for the most part, written by Pat Mills. Shout out to Tony. Uh, penciled by co-creator uh, Kevin O'Neill. Inks by um, Mark A. Nelson for the majority of uh of the book and then um kevin takes care of the uh the small smattering of other pages but what i enjoyed about this and, and again knowing virtually nothing about the character's backstory um which i'll pick vince's brain in a bit but um it's analogs i am a sucker for analogs you give me uh alternate versions of characters and i I'm all about it. And this is exactly that there. Uh, there are characters in this book because it was published under the Epic imprint, uh, which of course is published by Marvel. Um, the analogs here are all Marvel based characters. And um, so you have, you have your Hawkeye analog, you have your Spider-Man, you have your Captain America, you have your Mr. Fantastic, um, you have your Punisher, who is, of course, uh, the persecutor in here. And, and, the, and the, the, the origin is pretty much the same. But the story takes place in, for lack of a better term, an insane asylum. And all of our heroes, all the superheroes, who believe they are superheroes, they're all pretty much locked up in this asylum. Um, and you kind of realize that our heroes aren't really working with a full deck because the Mr. Fantastic uh, analog is talking to his wife, who of course is supposed to be the invisible one, but nobody's there. He's talking just to an empty chair and it's, and, and everybody just knows and, and they're just, they're going along with it. Um, the Dr. Strange is, uh, is just a little bit on the warped side, but this was, I really, I'm not alone, obviously, when I say that I I, um, I like Kevin O'Neill's artwork. It, yes, when I was first aware of it, even on those freaky, really fucked with my head big time Green Lantern core stories. Um, I just, I've always been a little weirded when I was younger. I just, O'Neill wasn't necessarily an artist. I'm like, oh, snap, Kevin O'Neill's drawing this. I got to get it. I was young and stupid. So there are just things where um, I like being aware that he's doing stories that I've never read before. And again, when I eventually get around to, to leave extraordinary gentlemen, but um, this is absolutely the art style is fantastic for this. There's not a lot of martial law in this story. So it's, it's not necessarily something where I read this and I'm like, Oh, okay. Well now I know everything about the character. I don't. Um, and I, uh, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Vince, but basically, martial law is kind of a spoof on Judge Dredd. Mm, it's, well, you can't 
stray too far from home. So Pat sure. Mills was maybe channeling a little bit of uh-huh. dread, but I mean, I'm not saying he's it's a ripoff. He's obviously his own character. Uh, well, but Joe's essentially Captain America. He's he was Captain America who got fucking pissed off. Um, saw all the 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 degradation and the lawlessness and the the corruption of all the superheroes and he's like he's a he's a a, a government appointed superhero killer. Yes, and, and yeah. we do get part of his origin in this story where he's there is a connection between him and um, and the persecutor and and so there's there's some drama there and I thought that, that was a. That was a nifty little payoff and a great theme to run throughout this particular one shot. Yeah, uh, it, it's kind of like, um, well, it's a lot like what Alan Moore does, where he takes established tropes yes. and he deconstructs them and in the process degrades them. So it's basically saying all these squeaky clean heroes that everyone thinks are, yeah. are you know, things to be... Uh, followed and 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 uh, you know moral compasses are anything but so it, it's it's a lot like the boys and mm-hmm. I mean it's the boys decades before the boys yeah. yes the Jesus Society of America dude come on right <laughs> and it's it, it's a nice way for Mills to um, inject a shit ton of social commentary uh, yeah. just his opinion on on the world and and the way it quote works. Uh, but it's illustrated by Kevin O'Neill, like yeah, yeah, the yeah. the guy that got banned from DC for illustrating those friggin' Green Lantern stories. Yes, yeah, he got he was like persona non grata. You are not working here anymore. <laughs> well, and the funny thing is, is that I read this all in uh, the deluxe edition that was published by DC, and and that was right. The, that was the funny part. of That's it. the it's irony like, of it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's out of print, unfortunately. But uh, I just looked it up. But uh, when Dad brought this up, it. it it's weird how certain things you just read. Like I, I don't even remember. I not only remember reading this, but I remember where I was reading because I was in Mexico on vacation and I read. Nice. Oh, <laughs> and it, and you know, there's the bondage theme with the costume, and it's and there's a lot going on in martial law. All of most of it, commentary by Mills on on various things, various and sundry. Yeah, I th- I I'm a sucker for martial law. I can't. Uh, pass anything up all the single issues i have all the collections i have the friggin novel the paperback novel that oh, came man. out yeah not too nice. long it, if 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 pat mills's name is on the cover i'm picking it up i don't care i'm buying it yeah i mean i, th- I assumed that the deluxe edition had almost all the stuff I, but i don't know like i know there was a savage dragon team up that i never read and so i don't, I don't know about that but that wasn't in that but it was the main series the six issues the takes Manhattan that Dap just read. Uh, I know Fear and Loathing was in there. There's not a, when you look back. There's not a whole lot of martial law. I mean, there's a sizable. I guess you could say sizable amount as opposed to other books of the time. But I would hesitate to say that it. That I mean, all of it collected goes over three hundred. Let's just say four hundred pages. There's not a real lot. I think I think the concept and the character is greater than the output. But it is oh, just, I think just so based too, yeah. on how yeah, I mean it it but it's I mean I just I, I laughed out loud a few times through this issue. I mean when um when the persecutor's there and and uh he's talking about Mr. Fantastic's like, yeah, my wife was just saying the real difficulty with your application is are you actually a superhero? And and um he's like, you know, you weren't operated on 
by um, by shock. They didn't give you your powers. And he points to Hawkeye and he's like, I wouldn't call having a bow a superpower. And Hawkeye's all mad. He's like, I let a, I let a group of heroes in California. And Spider-Man's like, yeah, in California, they'll accept anyone. But there's just, it's just, there's, there are moments where you do just absolutely laugh. And it, not that, you know, everything in this issue is particularly um, a joke, but the way it's presented, the way, uh, the, the way O'Neill frames everything and and with mills's words it's just it's it really is it's it's a lot of fun i don't i'm not one of those dudes who's like oh you know i wouldn't pay more than this for that or i don't think it's worth this was i would have i i would have paid cover and back then this this would have been you know before 95 because it was uh released in 1989 um and it's it's not it's Whereas DC had the prestige format because Dark Knight Returns and, and anything in their their square bound format was on glossy paper, Marvel's square bound format was pretty much on um, a thicker kind of newsprint paper, it was a matte paper as opposed to the glossy. But this was this was in their square bound format. Um, it was it was a hell of a find for New York Comic Con that weekend. So so thanks for the nutrients. But yeah, this was this was great. I need to read more. Um as soon as I can, I will. But um yeah, this was a lot of fun and and definitely a highlight of the week. Nice, nice. There's even a martial law crossover with Pinhead. From- I was gonna ask you about that because I'm looking it looks like there's there were thirteen issues of proper martial law, which are all in the deluxe edition that I read. But then yeah, there's the there's Savage Dragon Martial Law two issues. There's Pinhead versus Martial Law one yeah. and Hell two well, issues. Marvel had the Barker license at the time. Ah, and then uh, the and then for Dap the Mask Martial Law two issues. Yes, which I had never read, but yeah, we got to get you this stuff. Uh, yes, I, 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 I prefer. And the good Episode, thing about it is most of it is really inexpensive. Yeah, I mean, well, this was, and I wouldn't have expected this to be, but. Um, Again, I mean, which is why Vince and I urge everyone, if you're at a con, to go through the back issue bins because you don't know what you're going to find. Um, there's something else I'll probably bring up before we're done tonight that was also purchased through the same box that this was. But um, yeah, no, this was I said, this is great and more. Um, <laughs> and uh, T- Tony would say Mills is taking the piss. Out of superheroes, oh, yes. yes, 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 he would. Uh, episode eight ten is when I discussed Dynamite, <laughs> and the reason <laughs> why he's such a um, fucker. No, 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 because I never I when I mentioned the misspelling, I didn't change it. So if Vince, if Jason was looking for dynamite, it wasn't going to happen. But oh, if you looked up diva, it would. But I go. did just I was typing I, in dynamite diva, yeah, right. Yeah, I, I used an I it. instead of a Y. Right. So if you if if you type it again uh, now, you'll. Find oh yeah, it. there it is. Be- yeah, because I was probably nice. inebriated while I was typing it. Must have been more yes. than yeah, probably. Or you were thinking of Fred's dinosaur pet. Could have been, but uh, in the very same box that Dap pulled the martial law out of, I scooped the entire run of law dog yes he did. from the heavy hitters imprint yep. uh, henry flint henry, henry. Uh, i love his stuff man i'm gonna read him <laughs> and i'm gonna well i may read him for for next episode i that series is so damn good and it, it's very very much in the spirit of martial law like they could be 
brothers yes. and or cousins, right? Uh, was that um, that wasn't Chuck Dixon, was it? Unfortunately. Oh, it, uh, see, my my love for that book is solely focused on uh, Henry Flint Henry. So uh, I don't remember. Well, you got to say it because sometimes he's Flint Henry. Sometimes he's Henry Flint, like whatever. So I just uh, hedge yes, my bets. Yes, yes, yes. Because in the last page of one of the books, I, uh, Chuck Dixon on Adventure, I figured that a big part of entertainment is getting to somewhere you've never been before and seeing things you've never seen before. It's an adventure. It's driving down a strange highway and not knowing what's around the next turn. That's what Flint and I want Law Dog to be, a road trip to someplace totally wild and unexpected. Each month, and Vince will tell us all about that. It's all, it's very Mad Max. Very Mad Max. If you want to talk about that, then I will save I know mine for yeah. next week. Well, I read I read one of them for the first time. The other one that I picked up, I will read reread it again. Nice. It, it'll so. be the, the one and only epic heavy hitters <laughs> O'Rama. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, <sighs> Shit. Jason's like, what? what's this epic heavy hitters thing? <laughs> I do. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm the fucking one who read all of martial law. Oh, my God. You, you are oh, so sensitive. Okay. All right, Double X. Settle down. Seriously. Yeah, that was bullshit that you called us out on Double X. We knew what you were talking about. You just didn't give us any time you to react. Shit. Are you kidding me? You're, you're going to say Double X and I'm not going to get it? Give me a break. And you didn't get it. I did get it. No, you just manipulated the the audience in thinking that <laughs> hey, we listen, didn't. Man, I can't help it if you're not on the ball anymore. You know. I've forgotten more than you know. Oh, no <laughs> doubt about that. Because you've forgotten a lot. True, true. <laughs> Bastard. <laughs> All right. Moving on. I have another wonderful book. And um, it, I don't want to compare it to the thing I talked about first, uh, but I mean, it's unfair because this is totally different. It, it was uh, written and illustrated by a man that has, oh, geez, I don't even, I'm, gonna sk- I'm just going to say 200. Nah, let, let's just, I'll hedge my bets and just say many, many magic card illustrations under his belt. He's done, uh, he's worked with Pat Mills on uh, 2000 AD, and he's worked on Judge Dredd. He worked in Warrior. He, he did stuff for Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, a lot of his stuff has appeared within the pages of Games Workshop's White Dwarf, Dwarf magazine. Uh, if you don't know who I'm talking about already, you should, if you're a fan of this stuff. It's Carl Critchlow, an amazing illustrator. This book was published in 2013 by Titan Comics. The foreword is by Luther Arkwright's papa, Brian Talbot. And the title is Thrud the Barbarian. And it was a hell of a lot of fun. Five done in one stories, um, detailing the misadventures of a character that is ridiculously proportioned. Thrud has a massive frame he's gargantuan but he has a tiny tiny head (laughs) with a brain to match um he's a very simple man uh thrud doesn't have much on his mind other than mayhem and beer and one usually leads to the other now i won't go deep on all the stories to be honest 
after the the after I detail the first story, you can pretty much draw accurate conclusions as to how the other stories are going to play out. The real joy for me was not so much in the story details. Um, a typical issue finds Thrud stumbling into a situation for which he didn't plan, uh, always to disastrous ends for everyone but himself, right? But I found the stories so captivating because of there's a palpable joy, uh, at least I perceived it as such, uh, with which Critchlow attacks the pages. Uh, I, I, I got the sense that Carl had a ball drawing this stuff, like cracking himself up. There's many sight gags and pratfalls. Uh, I, I could see him like giggling at the, the, the sheer insanity of, of the antics. The best example of which, <laughs> and this is why last week I said, holy crap, I read two things in which one of the characters, whenever their name is uttered, it's written, it's, it's, it's illustrated in a style that removes it from all the other type, typography. So, uh, there's a character in one tale, a massive black knight. He, he, he's aptly named the Black Courant. And whenever his name is uttered, it appears in this gothic script, like large, point-sized gothic script. And the guy is massive, astride this huge war horse that the breath is billowing out of the, the horse's nostrils like a smokestack, and he's dripping with weapons and, and heavy plate armor. If you think of uh, Frazetta's Death Dealer, you won't be too far off the mark with this guy. Uh, but the Black Courant is even larger, I, I would I would guess, than the than the Death Dealer. So anyway, he has this ridiculous horned helm, and the horns extend around four feet from each side of the of the helmet. Right, so he's hot on the trail of what he thinks was a war band that killed his men. Well, little does he know that it wasn't an army that killed his men, but it was Thrud all by himself, what done the deed. And he's he's making his way to this city. And it's called Coden Batar. And at one time, it was a bustling, it was a hub at the base of a dormant volcano, uh, like a trading city, a lot of activity, people coming in, buying, you know, doing their their wares and, and moving out. So he, he's approaching the gate, right? And he's monologuing, you know, my men slaughtered, Whoever done this will pay. And and Critchlow details the scene from inside the city. Uh, you're looking through that gate as the Black Courant approaches. And like clomp, clomp, this giant horse is pounding the ground. And we see him far away from the arch. And then he comes closer and then closer. And the horns of his helm get caught on each side of the gate. And he's thrown from his horse. Boom! And he's on his back. And Critchlow caps it all off with a, a, a single wide shot of of the black Courant on his back in the background, and he he's mu he, he mutters "bugger," and the horse is in the foreground looking right at the readers. It's like like why me? Why why am I saddled literally with this asshole? But um, the first story, there's trouble, 
in a, a, a realm called Carborundum. And it's presided over by a, a boy king named Roderick the 37th. And the kid made a very, very bad deal with an evil wizard. In exchange for a, a, a bountiful harvest, the wizard, and the wizard's name is Tumi Koopa. <laughs> the wizard wants everything. I gave you a bountiful harvest. I want everything except the turnips. So the wizard gives the kid seven days to pay up or he's going to destroy the whole town. And, and when we first meet Thrud, he's in a bar brawl. He's slashing and hacking and punching away. And he says, by the sacred jockstrap of Robert E. Howard. Like, okay, you won me over <laughs> with that line. You got me, right? So uh, the, the boy's advisor tells him to get Sir Percival Pursuivant and the Magnificent Seven Knights of St. Simeon the Saintly. He's like, these guys will do the job. I'm telling you, they'll get rid of this character for you. Just do as I say. He's like, yeah, kids, all right. So, so they, they, they send word to Sir Percival and his group to, to, you know, solve their problem. Unfortunately, that's when Thrud enters the picture and ends up, for one silly reason or another, killing all of Percival's dino-riding knights as they make their way to Carborundum. And, and the, the sole survivor is Sir Percival, and, and he enters the city alone on the seventh day, decision time, right? He's summarily beheaded by a flick of the finger of Minos the Minotaur. This is Tumi Kupa's mount. He's, he's riding this giant freaking Minotaur. He's black. He's got rings through his nipples. It's, it's insane. Uh, so when the Minotaur flicks off Percival's head, it smashes through a tavern window and it knocks Thrud's beer out of his hand in the process and that pisses Thrud off he's like what so he enters the fray he kills the minotaur but in doing so uh he sets the town ablaze um tumi koopa vows revenge he teleports out and Thrud consumes the town's entire reserve of beer leaving the surviving people with nothing but turnips that's the, the whole gist of this book Shit goes down, Thrud screws it up, end of story. Like, it's, it's, there's a repetitiveness to the stories, but who cares when they're illustrated this well, right? It's just fun stuff. Um, in terms of the art, Critchlow illustrated this book very differently than he approached, say, the, the illustrations for the magic cards. Um, David may squee at this, but I don't think Jason will. He looks here like a less exaggerated trencher era Keith Giffen. Ooh. Yeah. It's it's the the lines are are often very thin and there's a lot of them. He um will stack shapes to create a gradation, right? Um gorgeous flat color. Um absolutely gorgeous. Uh, this is a hardcover by the way. So it's it's well worth owning if you can find it. The um in the back of the book, which is really cool, you get Thrud strips from White Dwarf and the Citadel Journal. Uh, they originally appeared, uh, those aren't collected here, but you get a, a sampling of what Critchlaw did for these publications. You get a sketchbook, 
you get amazingly painted uh, covers. Of course, if you've seen Critchlow's work on the Magic cards, you know the dude can paint. Uh, and, and even more stuff. And this was one of the books to go back to New York Comic Con that Dap and I pulled out of the, uh, what was it, Voyager Comics? Victory. Victory Comics. The Victory Comics. The They had uh, trade paperbacks, five bucks a piece. Yep. And covers for 10 yeah, for this was, three for 25. Right. This was, well, do the math. It cost me uh, three into 25 for whatever this thing is. And I'm so glad that I got it because it's amazing. And it was a whole lot of fun. I was laughing like an idiot reading this stuff. If you like sword and sorcery, uh, but, uh, you know, raucous, lighthearted. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of blood in it. But it's it's cartoon violence, right? People die, but it's really not that devastating because they're just there to prove a point that Thrud has a, a hair-trigger temper and loves to drink. And he's a buffoon. It's fun. So, uh, yeah, check out the, the images in the uh, thread for this episode. Once you see the art, you'll be like, I got to get this shit because it's amazing. Picked up a... Um, it does sound amazing. I had it in my hand. I'm glad you grabbed it. Um mm. There was more than one. Oh, was there? Yeah. All right, next year. Yeah, yeah. Well, I doubt it's um, going to be there next year. Oh, but okay. <laughs> Dude, there was a, there's a goddamn high society in the box that I grabbed. I'm pretty sure we'll be able to find. You need to read that with the quickness. I mean, you're not well, going to get through it quickly, but you need to read it. I mean, we we have to read our. Well, I have to read it for the first time. You guys have to reread our book of the month, also. But uh, oh, will, dude, let's tell them while we're on the subject what the book of the month is. The book of the month for October. Uh, it was we're we're going back to that list, the running list that we've had from the beginning of the year for the suggestions from from our patrons, um, and it was a close race. Well, we of course. Last month, you all remember that we read Hellblazer, Volume 1, Original Sins, and uh, there were a couple other things that were near the top that we were all kicking around uh, before we decided on Hellblazer. The runner-up, if you want to call it that, um, the one thing that we were all also interested in reading, that we decided, hey, why not now, uh, is David Latham's Stray Bullets, Volume 1, the original run, uh, Innocence of nihilism which collects the first seven issues from the uh oh boy el capitan run i can't and, wait uh, yeah i uh i read the first story already i started it this afternoon um but uh we've got time before the end of the month where we can discuss this book so now everybody knows what we're discussing later um and i will um start picking at high society in uh in the meantime but getting back to victory in what uh what was purchased you and ivans also have to maybe before the end of the year we'll see uh we have to tag team on technophage because we both walked away with a copy of that that's that's um, god level stuff my friend because i i i'm a little scared because if you don't absolutely love it i don't know like <laughs> th- th- there's a mountain of uh, of comics that we've read that one, in my opinion, is pretty close to the top. Wow. Yeah. I Technophage is the freaking berries, man. And it's 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 from the now long defunct Techno Comics 
line, but uh, there were a few. I didn't read a lot of the the techno stuff. I was aware of it all, but I, I there wasn't a lot that, um, that I was able to to get as they were coming out. Um, so yeah, so I have I left victory that weekend with the high society with the technophage and the two volumes of um of crowded but i will start on a high society for you mr hero's amazing from while we're on the subject of techno comics. yeah um and uh fun fact techno comics did a promotion where um they bagged issues if memory serves they bagged issues so you knew what comic you were getting, but you had a chance to get an autographed copy. Mm-hmm. I have an issue of Mr. Hero autographed by Neil Gaiman. No way. Yeah. Yeah, I, was, I guess I was just lucky. I pulled it out of the, the bag, and I'm like, holy shit. This looks like, and it was. It was, illustri- it was uh, autographed by Gaiman right on the cover. Because That's he, awesome. he came up with the concept, but uh, who wrote it? Um, Ted, uh, uh, I'm going to screw his name up. Slamp, Slampiak? Um, Slamp, Slampiak, yeah. yeah. No. Uh, well, Mr. Hero and the Pneumatic Man was written by um, James Vance. And penciled, I'm sorry, penciled by, yeah, you're right, Ted. Uh, oh, I thought, Slampiak. yeah, all right, yeah, I thought, right, Ted Ted wrote and drew it, but I'm, I'm wrong, Jack Vance. Uh, I know Which I should have known because Jack Vance is, is amazing. And writes uh, great stories about magic. Well, there you go. Yeah. Uh, they also had Mickey Spillane's Mike Danger. They had Neil Gaiman's Lady Justice. They had Leonard Nimoy's Primordials. Yeah. Didn't uh, they have a Shatner book too? No, no. Tech World was was actually published uh, by Marvel under. Oh, Animal that's Epic. right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I read a couple of those novels, and then I did. I did buy the comic because it was coming out. Sadly, but uh, the, the best. Roddenberry's Lost Universe. Yep. The best man at my wedding was a colossal Shatner fan. <laughs> and as Tech War was coming out, he's like, oh, you got to read this. I'm like, okay. I don't. No, yeah. I don't. I, and I, I read one issue. I'm like, yeah, I'm out. I'm <laughs> totally out. No, he's like, oh, you're missing out, dude. Yeah, okay. Well, all right. You great read, captain. Uh, enjoy. Great writer. In, well, he's probably not the one that wrote them. No, I don't think he, I don't. I don't think he wrote the comic, the, the yeah, novels. Yeah, I would guess he had many ghostwriters. I would not be surprised. Yeah, but we need to revisit the the techno comics. I think they had a lot of great titles. Asimov had a goddamn book. It, it's, Again, yeah, I, I I know I hesitate the, to believe. What that I, was, the, the the thing that I uh-huh. remember about techno the most is that hey, there were some pretty popular pop culture names attached to the work but it's like it's like the the ideas that they had that weren't going to make it anywhere else and this comic publisher was just like well we'll take it and it, it's like gene roddenberry's andromeda it's like okay great gene yeah. roddenberry has a new tv show but it's like eh, it's not really we're obviously selling it because of roddenberry's name but the the story wouldn't have lasted long on a sci-fi show so well that was the thing uh mr hero the the logo for the the issue was uh 
the above the logo it said Neil Gaiman's like big big type and then it was Mr. Hero well Gaiman didn't have any involvement with the various issues other than I guess giving someone a germ of an idea yeah and they yeah, just yeah. ran with it you know but still like Leonard Nimoy Mr. Nimoy did not touch any of those issues <laughs> other than to sign the check that arrived for using his name but that's okay. It's I, I don't like in in some respect. I think that era of of comics was. Uh, I mean, people were trying everything. It was such a diverse market. Like all this crazy stuff was coming out. It was we're talking late nineties, right? Where it was just let's throw some shit against the wall and see what sticks. And and it, yes, the speculator late nineties was still within that speculator boom, wasn't it? Where people would yeah. buy, you know, a bunch of copies of stuff just to see themselves hopefully turn a profit on them, which never happened in most cases. But um, it's just wildly creative time in comics. I wish we can go back. That that was the same era of continuity, right? Give or take a couple years. Yeah. Right with the Tyvek covers and the freaking lenticular stuff and the the multi book crossover that never finished and you know. <laughs> the, uh, the 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 tech world was written primarily by uh, Evan Skolnick, uh, but Ron Goulart, who of course I remember from Comic Scene, uh, oh, was yeah. a um, was was attached to the book at some point too. Art primarily by um, by Lee Sullivan. Oh, this is James Vance on Mister Hero. I thought you said Jack Vance. No. Yeah. Well, again, I would I would be very surprised if it was Jack Vance. Yeah, because he's he's in the category of Asimov. Wasn't it? He he. I think Jack Vance is the fantasy equivalent of Asimov to science fiction. Okay. Yeah, Vance is great. I'm gonna have to see if Bruce Apple has any Jack Vance. Wonderful, wonderful writer. But anyway, what else do we have, fellas? Well, I what else Jason has? Uh, so. Last week, uh, I talked about ultrasound, which, uh, and I shouted out Mitchell, who was uh, repping hard for it on the Slack. And uh, and I'm going back to the Mitchell well because, in that same thread, he said that well, not the same thread, but a subsequent thread, he said the only book that he read this year that uh, holds a candle to ultrasound was this book that I'm about to talk about. Oh. And talk about, we're just flipping everything on its head of late. I got another manga to talk about, Vince. Will wonders never cease? It's cr- What is going on? It's just dogs making love with cats. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I don't know what's happening. Uh, Look Back. Story and art by Tatsuki Fujimoto. Oh, okay. Nice. Yeah, so, so I'm sure many of our listeners know Tatsuki Fujimoto as the wonderkind creator of the wildly popular chainsaw man uh manga which i believe just became a show right it's on netflix i think um hulu and you believe correct hulu yes hulu yeah uh i have not read a single page of chainsaw man so i I can't speak to that one way or the other show so Um, good oh yeah you're not it seems like a lot of y'all that are fans of the work have said that the show's good um, but this is um, in a, unusual for a manga in that it is a it is a single volume. It is a standalone 
graphic novel. Uh, and on the cover, you see a you're looking at the back of a, of a person leaning over their drafting table drawing. And uh, and that's exactly what this story is. It is a um, it is a tale of uh, essentially two um, young, like middle school aged uh, female uh, aspiring manga artists um, named Fujino and Kimoto. Uh, Fujino is who we're first introduced to, and she is outgoing and confident and very capable, sort of like your typical try-hard alpha student, right? Like seemingly does everything right. Uh, she is uh, at this point already publishing on a regular basis manga in their school paper, and it's wildly popular and adored. And she feels very she's very confident in her own work. Um, and then one day, her editor says, "Hey, uh, you know, w- would you mind giving up one of your one of your columns of, of of manga in the paper for another aspiring manga artist?" And um, She's like, no, nah, that's cool. Like, you know, like love is love. Let's do it. Like, like if someone else has something to contribute, then let them contribute. That is until the uh, the issue hits the stands and she grabs it to take a look at it. And sitting next to her, very capable and well-received uh, illustrations is the uh, panels from Kiyomoto. And, and it is astoundingly polished. Uh, and 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 has depth and nuance, and it looks like it's it's light years visually ahead of of where uh, Fujino is. And so Fujino sort of has a crisis of confidence. She can't fathom that there's another student, much less one that I believe is in fourth grade at, at at this time, that can be that accomplished of a storyteller. And it pushes her to become to to double triple down on her artwork. She says, I, I, I can't let someone else this young be as good as I am. So I'm going to just go. I'm going to go to work. And she starts working harder and harder on her craft. Uh, eventually, though, she seeks out Kiyomoto because Kiyomoto, um, even though Kiyomoto is a fourth grader and contributing to the school paper, Kiyomoto is not attending the school. Turns out that uh, Kiyomoto is, uh, is, is being homeschooled for unknown reasons. So, um, so as as she's learning more about Kiyomoto, Fujino seeks her out and uh, and essentially comes across her. And Kiyomoto uh, sees Fujino like kind of hovering or or trying to get a peep into her house and runs out from the from the house and is like, "Are you? You know, you must be you must be Fujino. I love you." And so. As Fujino is overwhelmed by Kiyomoto's talent, Kiyomoto comes out and she is an absolute super fan of Fujino and basically says, I, I started drawing manga because of your your panels and it's just incredible. And um, and, and it's very clear, though, that unlike Fujino, who's who's outgoing and, and, and uh, effervescent, um, Kiyomoto is 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 a hermit like with with very, very massive social anxiety uh it just just doesn't want to be outside in public um and uh and has issues you know has has definite issues um and they they they're kind of like have a mutual admiration society and they say well let's uh you know let's let's partner up there's a there's some kind of national 
uh, manga contest and let's enter it together. And they uh, they begin collaborating and they collaborate where Kiyomoto effectively becomes the drawer of the backgrounds, and uh, it, it, which is not as as we know is not unusual to have different artists working on different parts of a manga. And Fujino handles the character work and they work hard and they spend a year creating a manga that they submit and, and they become the runners up and then they win a big prize and the like, and uh, they're off to the races. And the fact that they're only, uh, you know, young teenagers at this time is just revelatory. And, and there's all kinds of newspaper coverage and then they're, they're budding young stars. Publishers are interested in them so forth. And they, they go on to be a very successful collaborative partnership, but as with all things, like nothing is meant to last forever, and and they eventually have a falling out, and then the book continues to go on from there, and it makes a big leap in time, and we we learn sort of what happens to both of them as they're older, and I won't give that away because I mean that's that's I think at the heart of the story, but but uh, this is a, a beautiful story about uh, obsession and art and passion and craft and and friendship and 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 uh, how friendships can come and go sometimes even when you don't intend for them to you know when there's not really when neither it's not even necessarily either one of them was at fault it's just that they were different people and their differences became harder and harder to um to accept from one another as as they got older and uh and and I just I thought it was just powerful and poignant and 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 a really fascinating look at the uh travails of 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 I think a lot of artists um in in how they they can sometimes love their work, but also at, at probably more often to despise their own work and, and 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 have imposter syndrome and all the like. So really, really great. I don't know why. I don't know what prompted Tatsuki to, to do this work as a standalone uh, amidst two very long running manga that that uh, that maybe it's just because he had this idea and wanted to get it out on the paper. And it's um, but but it was great. And, and I really appreciate um a bunch of our of our friends for pointing out to me because as you know i don't i don't stay as plugged into the manga as as many of you do so i i definitely didn't pre-order this initially but after it was getting all the love on the slack i went ahead and ordered it because i'm always down to read some manga that's shorter you know i, I always struggle with the committing to the, the tens and, and and dozens of volumes that often come with the, the the most renowned series but but if you can give me one volume that hits hard it's uh, it's one of the many reasons I love Ito, right? Is because you can sit down and read an Ito manga. It's usually one volume, a collection of stories, and you're done. So, uh, yeah, really great. And this does this does make me wonder if I would enjoy Chainsaw Man. I don't know anything about it. I guess it's very it, so. very different from this. No, one. no, I know, but I just mean I love the visuals. So right. I mean, I I I I love Fujimoto's art in this book and and and, and his storytelling. So, I I. Like on that level, I think I would enjoy Chainsaw Man because certainly the visuals are great. Well, coming from the man that has read three jillion issues of X Men, I don't think length <laughs> of manga should deter you <laughs> from reading it. Yeah, no, I mean, well, we've yeah, but I mean, that being said, like it's just I don't know that I would sit down and read. Like I've never sat down and read a hundred issues of Justice League, right? Even though I like it's I just it's, it was a different time in, in my life. I I don't know that I would. I would look to do that now. Right. I get it. Um, yeah. The conceptual continuity in this episode is super strong. Because okay. You, yeah, you're talking about uh, a, a work that features uh, young, uh, amazingly talented artists, and you just talked about Jasper Jubinville, right? So Indeed. I love it when the thread, a future thread, 
goes back to something from the past. And within the confines of an episode, I love that when it happens because it's a nice little package. It's almost as if we planned it. Mm. But we don't. We never do. No, we never do. Yeah, and uh, thank you because now we have a manga orama. This is uh, episode. Nice manga orama. Yep. Manga I don't have look back, but I guess I'm gonna have to rectify that. Well, as a as a uh, as a uh, an artist uh, who who I mean, you, I think you would relate to this book probably on a level that I didn't, just as a as an artist who. You know, right? Has has, well, has been has been at that point of sort of questioning your own work or your confidence in sharing your work. And you know. I think the red flag should have been raised when the editor asked her to share her space with someone. That'd be like, mm, I don't know. Uh, many people would not be willing to do so for this very reason. What if somebody shows up that outclasses them and outshines them? It can happen, right? Yeah. Well, but uh, hopefully the person on the other end would take it as a sign to further polish their craft. But That's what happens. Right. Such is not the case with many people. Mm-hmm. Truth. Yeah, it sounds intriguing. It sounds like something that I, I would absolutely love to read. So I'm, you definitely cost me money. Again. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, this is mad cheap. It's good Th- for that. 13 buck cover price, so it's probably like seven bucks. Worth every penny. Yeah. I mean, if it looks anything like uh, Chainsaw Man. Right. I mean, and obviously, Chainsaw Man being, I'm assuming, given the look of the main character and over-the-top action manga. Yeah, it's very graphic. Right. This is... In- the antithesis. Grounded in human. There's nothing... Yeah. But that's good. Uh, yeah. I, I was just... I floated this concept uh, to my students this week. I said, it's, it's very easy... To draw, well, relatively easy to draw a giant warrior bashing somebody's head in with a, a massive hammer, but pull off two characters just having a conversation in a coffee house. If you can pull that off and, and be, um, you know, uh, captivating and intriguing and, and and visually diverse in in a mundane setting like that, then you got it, you know. And that the, some people have it, and and I, I want to see if. Um, Fujimoto actually has it. I'm sure he does. It, you know, it's hard to draw the mundane. Um, interestingly, mm-hmm. yeah, and anybody right, can just right, cut, right. cut and paste heads uh, talking to each other. That's boring as hell. Who wants to do that? But it's nice when when someone appreciates the craft tool at a level that um, actually uh, they're actually concerned with composition and, and and you know the whole bag that comes with wonderfully crafted comics right mm-hmm. yay what else do we have dap you have to have something else i hope well yeah i didn't i didn't talk about the thing that uh lit my world on fire um well hopefully you have an extinguisher nearby i yes nice yes yes um so i know that um back when Jason was uh, still on the Twitters, um, our friend Mark Laming mentioned right, yep. a uh, an artist that um, that I was checking out when 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 he mentioned it, and Jason was able to grab one of um, one of the Europe comics that uh, that was published. But uh, Jordi Lefebvre is a phenomenal illustrated and i cannot stress that enough and 
Um, just not to not to interrupt, but you you were, as, if I recall right, Laming. What caught our attention was Laming said, from to his mind, Lefebvre was the was the best living cartoonist. Yes, I do believe you are correct. Um, and, and, and his belief on that, uh, I can absolutely understand why an artist uh, such as Mark would feel that way. Um, the book I'm reading is uh, Dark Horse reprinted uh, Jordy's story, Always Never. And I remember seeing teases of it on, on Twitter when it was when it was ready to be out, and, and I could not wait to get my hands on it. Don't know how the hell I missed it. Um, but as soon as I saw it in previews, that Dark Horse was uh, was going to um, to have it. I it was going to be mine. And what is absolutely fascinating about this story of these two people, Zeno and Anna, um, it's it's told in reverse. We start with chapter twenty, we end with chapter one, and we are going back in time. And what I love about this is you see little throwaway lines, little comments, little asides that the characters will say that mean nothing to you in the moment until you get a couple more chapters in and you realize that they are referencing something that happened in their past. And I haven't, I didn't do a memento on this. I didn't try to read this backwards. I I didn't try to see, you know, how how to read if I start with the first chapter and go to the end. Um, but I mean, it, it, the book ends as it begins where we're, we start with an, an older Zeno in a wide panel at the top of the page with the rain smile on his face on in the second panel smile on her face under an umbrella. And that's pretty much the, the, the bulk of the book is in a six panel grid on each page. Occasionally you'll get a, uh, you'll get a wide panel, but, um, but everything on the page is pretty much told within, within six panels. And, uh, we, the, the the last chapter is the two of them finally getting together. I th- there are some stories that just really I don't I don't know if I consider myself softy or sentimental fool, but there are some things where like like same time next year the movie with Alan Alda and Alan Burst. There are some things where I just depending on where I was when it happened when I witnessed it. Um, just sticks with me forever. And there are some stories that I really, really want to see with a happy ending. And, and, and obviously life doesn't always give you that when you're telling a story, you can kind of manipulate things that way you want the story to end. And this is just the story of these two people who never got together. And, uh, we see why. In, in the last chapter, in chapter one, which is odd to say, but it, it's just the two of them, the letters they, as they, as we go back in time through their lives, um, Anna is the mayor of this small town, and uh, her base and her claim to fame is this bridge that was built mm-hmm. so that, uh, you know, because the river was extremely sandy, the river bend, river, river bed is impossible to navigate, they're, they're just, she wants to unite the two sides on the other side of the river. So her big thing is 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 getting this bridge built. She um she's reelected a couple of times and 
she's the, the first chapter when we see her and Zeno walking along in the rain um, and there's a little a little post that we see them walking by and that and 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 I didn't I, I saw the number 17 and I just filed it away because they they both I they're both eyeballing it as they walk by it and again that plays you you'll you'll see why they recognize that why that is sentimental to them when you get to the end of the book but the first chapter is them seeing each other again after so many after, after such a long time then the next chapter is honest telling her daughter um that she is going on a date more or less to to, to meet with Zeno and her daughter is absolutely beside herself she's livid she's like i'm not giving you this cookie recipe so you can bake these cookies for some man and and i'm gonna tell dad and Anna's like well your father already knows and we find out how that conversation happened in the next chapter and so on so 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 things are being told as it well, not in reverse but just you're, you're you're seeing them in flashbacks but the um the first chapter is is near flawless because it it's it, it's told each it's told in reverse the entire chapter from the beginning of the chapter to the last page is just it's we're seeing it play out in rewind and it's it's silent it's a silent chapter no words no 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 sound effects um but it is it's the first time Zeno and Anna meet and it's that that night that they share together and after that first chapter, when you get to this, the penultimate chapter, when you get to chapter two, that's when you start to realize that um, that's where the pain kind of starts, or that's when you realize that uh, why they never got together and what had happened and, and, and how Zeno's life took him in one direction and Anna's life took her in another direction. And there were letters that were sent and that, that were never received because Zeno would write his and stick them in a bottle and throw them out into sea. And Anna would never mail hers. So they, you know, we, we see some of the letters written and exchanged and it's just, it is an absolute joy. It is, it is one of my all time, favorite comic book stories i think it is just it's it is it, it's truly exceptional i don't throw that word around lightly it's it's one of those things where i think uh i i would love anyone to just read this it's it's a smartly written story uh what what zeno and his dissertation and what he's trying to accomplish in life and and the bookstore that his father owned that he's 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 just kind of he's not saddled with but he won't sell it and it's there's, it's just, it, just it. I've haven't had a relationship like, like this play out like this, but I've I've been aware of relationships, and 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 there were people I was close to where, yeah, there is, you do get those moments with with someone where you just don't know. Some of us get that where you don't you don't know what could have been, and and whether or not that's the one that got away, and you didn't settle because that's just the way you know your life went in another direction but you just don't know what could have been which is the person that you just shared one night with and but there was something there obviously and it is just it's it's a touching story it is so beautifully drawn i think it is one of yeah it, it it's absolutely one of the favorite things i've read in a 
in a long time. I just cannot. I really don't have many words I could say about it just because I, I, I can't put it into words what, how I felt while reading this, after reading it. It is a, um, the cover's gorgeous. The cover is, 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 um, basically you're seeing their reflection in the puddle uh, as they're walking through the rain, but they're younger with, with their younger selves. Uh, it, it's, they're both just, they do love each other. They obviously just never had a life together. And, and that, that, that's kind of crushing. And, and it's, it's, they still though, they're still happy. She's married. She has her daughter. She has grandchildren. She loves her life, and and she's not going to change it for anything. She loves Giuseppe, her husband. Is not no, Zeno's not going to take her away from him. Um, but Giuseppe knows about Zeno, and and he's 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 fine with it, just because it's it's not it, it's it's not necessarily a fling. There's nothing physical. There never was because they never got together. But it's it, he just knows that there is somebody else out there who has a small piece of her heart and and it's and and that you know you kind of feel for her husband to a degree because you know you don't know much about him other than what she writes in her letters to Zeno but I just think as far as you know a story featuring two characters telling their love story where it's a love story where they never got together um it's just it's it's fascinating. It's 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 a piece of art. I really, really um, can't say enough great things about this book. If you didn't read it when Jason talked about it, I implore you to uh, to rectify that as soon as you can. It is a it's it's fantastic. I I really do think um, I got to find. I, obviously, it was published earlier. This is a reprint. I got to find out where the hell I can put it. Um, on my O'Closkers if I have to move something else around. I don't, but it's just, yeah, I, this is, this is the kind of thing that I will be comparing other stories to for a good long while. I, I just think it's, it's, it's fabulous. It really, really is. My man over here spitting truth is what he's doing. He's spitting truth. Yeah, dude. Uh, so, so, uh, I looked it up. I, I talked about it in episode, uh, 749 back in July okay. of 21, if people are wondering. Um, and yeah, I mean, I I I was I completely agree. I think it's it's one of the great romance comics of all time. I really do believe that. Um, and as you may or may not recall, I went down an absolute Lefebvre rabbit hole uh, at that time. I also loved Liddy. So I would, I, if you haven't read that, that's the one where the 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 woman has the the baby that dies, but the, the entire town, the entire yes, yes, yeah, yes, like doesn't ever like just treats the baby like it's still alive so she can, like basically gives into her psychosis but it's like very sweet and then um and then his his biggest work to date is, is glorious summers basically almost all of his work he's done with zadrew uh he's drawn the books and zadrew has written them um in fact every he liddy glorious summers and vice squad were all were all drawn by geordie written by zadrew and then always never is is geordie's uh you know, first um, where he writes and draws the whole thing, but Glorious Summers is great, and it's like five volumes, and it's uh, it's a look at this one particular family uh, going on summer vacations, but it like it jumps around in, in time, so it's like multi generational. Um, the first volume was about like the family going on a uh, on a, a summer um, road trip 
but it but it's it's like the final road trip because the par- the parents have decided to get a divorce um and it goes from there and it like i think the last volume is like 25 30 years later um yeah just to, i mean it for the 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 good news is like that said this book now is is available here in english in a hardcover um the the if you're if you're only wanting the hardcovers, then you have two options: either wait and hope that Dark Horse puts out more of Lefebvre's work, um, or uh, you're gonna have to buy the French stuff. <laughs> um, but if you do want to read English of all the other stuff, and it's how I read Always Never the first time, you can buy it all on Europe Comics uh, digitally. Um, so uh, his 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 complete bibliography is available through Europe Comics. Um, so yeah, it's it's it, and it's all amazing. I do think always never is the best, but it, but all of it I think is incredible. Great, yeah, no, I got I definitely, I mean, I, I love his line. His, his his storytelling is fantastic. As a writer, I think this is fantastic, but um, his artwork just absolutely shines. And and there's a when Anna is uh, in the process of getting reelected in in chapter nine, she um, she takes a moment uh, to to strip for the camera to send a photo to Zeno, which of course never gets but um she is she is stunning as a younger person i realize i'm talking about a drawing but it is absolutely it, it's it's just yeah i think there's just little things here and there when and, and when she's when her daughter is arguing with her about this fling and and their eyes meet just 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 the way he just forces you to follow along panel to panel it's yeah it's I, I said the word earlier tonight, but yeah, it's a masterclass, hundred percent. Indeed. Yeah, I read it after Jason talked about it. Okay. And I I agree with everything you guys said. Uh, I think Jordy's a, a hell of a talent, but uh, I see a lot of Will Eisner in his approach to storytelling. Uh, okay. It's very similar to mid to late career Will Eisner. Which is, um, I mean, who else can be that good, right? It's tough to, be, you know. Um, but the, the the approach to the sequentials, not the 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 drawing style per se, but in the way Jordy constructed the story, to me, it just it seemed very reminiscent of Will Eisner's approach to to sequential storytelling. There is a, uh, I just turned to a page in chapter twelve where she. Anna's got the construction crew because this one woman won't, refuses to move, even though the the house has pretty much already been half demolished. She, she refuses to leave her apartment, and the six panels make up the whole area of the construction site. And that, as soon as you said that, and I turned to that page, you said Eisner. The, the, this this page absolutely screams Eisner. Yeah. Um. Hey, if if someone compared my work to Eisner, I'd be Thank you very much because For sure. if you're talking masterclass, that's about as tippity top as it gets. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the the line is is more varied. Jordy has a much more um, vivid. Uh, his his lines alive. Uh, yeah. A lot, yeah. lot lot of thicks and thins and and it 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 pulses to a sense and, and so yeah, v- different uh, graphic approach. In the delineation of the stuff that's going on, but uh, the the pacing and the the way that he manipulates time and 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 sequences is, is to me it just reminded me a lot of Will Eisner's work. There's a, there's a um, because of Zeno's hair at times. I didn't really I didn't always see his little hoop earring, and then 
you actually see when he gets when he gets pierced on the ship from one of the sailors. It's just they're, they're just little touches here and there. It just it I, I I read it over the course of um of an afternoon and it just it yeah it it every I'm I'm, I'm still thinking about things on on certain pages throughout the rest of the weekend. Yeah, and 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 the uh, unfortunately the the OA is like available, but it's thousands of dollars. Oh, <laughs> yeah, rightfully so. Yeah, yeah. And I reached out to him after reading all the stuff last year about a commission, and he was open to it, but it was going to be two grand. So, well, power to him. Uh, well, the top shelf stuff is worth paying for, for sure. Yeah. Cool. We're all over the place. I love it. Uh, yeah, me too. Yeah, but that hey. was good though. The, the the whole um, because Jason talked about something I talked about. I just talked about something Jason talked about. I love it. It, it was just it's the great. whole all, the whole up and down. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's great. <laughs> no, it's it's wonderful when you can get a second voice on something. Yes. Uh, but see, no, I mean, when, when one of you guys talk about something, I'm I'm often very reluctant to bring the same thing to the table because, you know, you've said it. So why should I say it again at length, right? Well, it also depends on the amount of time that has passed. Yeah, um, but I, 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 conversely, I'm not going to bring something to the table that you both read that I'm just like, ah, I wasn't feeling it. What, where's the value in that? Oh, no, no, oh, no. Sure. I get that. I get that. And and if, if, if you're really just, if one of us reads something and the other's like, yeah, no, I totally just echo what you just said. Then, yeah, I mean, but if there is something that you can get new from it or, oh, or well, yeah, then. I mean, if we're any good at our, what we do here, there's always something new to add. True. But I like a little bit of time to explain to pass between I t- if I'm going to talk about something that one of you talked about I like you know give me a little span of time so uh, it doesn't seem like we're repeating ourselves agreed so gotta keep your eye on the ball that's to do it yeah alright everybody hey thank you so much for being here with us once again remember always keep this in the back of your beautiful minds that this the entire proceedings of this here shindig is brought to you by our patrons. Patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. Check it out if uh, you like what you see. We would love, absolutely love to have you join join the family. Uh, we give as we get, as we like to say. So uh, you will be rewarded for your patronage. In your travels. Jeez, how do I? I don't want to undersell this. So I'm just going to flat out say it. Um, if you're not reading the absolute best comic being published at this moment, then I feel sorry for you. Like, heed my words, run out and get yourself Dan to Dan Volume 1. There's nothing being published right now that even touches this book. It's written. Nah, I'm serious. It's written and illustrated by Yuki Nobutatsu, published by Shonen Jump. I talked about it at length back in episode 791. So I'm I'm not going to reiterate anything I've said other than this thing is the balls. It is amazing. Um, go back and listen to the, the, the synopsis from that episode. The, the art is absolutely jaw-droppingly stunning. Uh, 
Tatsu renders everything with just this delicious, beautiful line. Um, it, it's there's uh, a horror edge to it. You have a, 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 a granny demon spirit that uh, loves to capture genitals. Um, the the main characters Momo Ayase and um, Okarun, aka Occult Kun, aka Ken Takamura, but she doesn't call him Ken Takamura because it is the same name as her celebrity crush, and he could never measure up. Measure up. Hmm. Uh, the, Momo's interested in ghosts. Uh, Okarun's interested in UFOs, and he's he gets picked on in school. She comes to his defense. A friendship emerges. And um, they each challenge each other to experience their beliefs and hilarity and action ensues. It is just absolutely flat out amazing. I, I, I don't have any other – well, I have a bunch of words, but all of them are repetitive. It, there, there is nothing that comes close to this. I One volume, I would even – ranked i don't know if i should say this but maybe i got more joy out of the first volume of this than i did out of any volume of one piece oh damn and i love one piece and, and by for context you you've read like 50 volumes of one piece yes i mean one piece is phenomenal it's great mm-hmm. but there's something about this that that touches um it, it it traipses into all of my interests. It's it's got the UFO angle, the paranormal angle. One of the creatures in in the first volume is reminiscent of the Flatwoods monster. If you don't know what that is, do your research. But just that that the the author is aware of the Flatwoods monster and incorporates it into his story, which connects with Okarun's love of. UFO phenomena or UAPs, whatever. Pick your uh, acronym. It, it, it's also very, very sexy. It the his uh, his way with with women. Um, it's just absolutely delicious. Um, Momo has a grandmother, uh, and there's there's frequent flashbacks. She, grandma is is a medium. Uh, she's sensitive to the paranormal. And uh, Momo didn't really vibe with Grandma's, you know, uh, profession. So she had words, and and she regretted it. And and in the flashbacks, Grandma's delineated in a very typical style of a of a grandma, very matronly and um, slight. And she's got the kimono on, and it's it's uh, unsexy. But when you really see what Grandma looks like. Oh yeah, mama. <laughs> she is woo. <laughs> she is a vixen. Good God, you got to get this book. It is it is really amazing. Dan to Dan, Volume One, Yuki Nobutatsu from Shonen Jump. Just run out and get it. It's cheap, um, or you can just pony up for the Shonen Jump subscription. It's a buck ninety nine a month. I think you can afford that. Skip the latte one day and 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 get a whole month's worth of manga. Um, just read it any way you can because it's it's the unqualified champ of of comics right now. Damn. Tomio's right. When he's right, he's right. And this thing is just... And Mike Delvecchio. 
it's it's just an amazing amazing experience that's it. Love it yeah i think jason would even like this wow it sounds good it's Is fun- it like 60 volumes uh, to date, one has been published by Shonen Jump, but I believe seven volumes were, were published in Japan. So it could go on for a while. I mean, if it's making money, it's probably going to go on for a while. Okay. But by the way, speaking of uh, of manga that we've talked about, uh, uh, I was sad to find out from our, our more manga-savvy booze that uh, Crazy Food Truck races are been canceled. What? Canceled, not just ended how did they cancel it well it's it yeah i mean well i guess canceled meaning it it ended after four volumes of in shonen jump meaning it ended in japan yes it's over oh well that's cool i mean i you know i i I would think that if a publisher embarks on publishing a translated manga that they're in for the distance yeah but what i'm saying is 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 having read half of what we're going to get now it's it's definitely going to feel truncated because well we're still get. i mean this the first volume we we just meet the main protagonist and the second volume we meet the the main antagonist so i you know i was thinking we were going to get a lot of it well better to have loved and lost than never loved at all this is true and say it every day yep (sighs) ah Uh, in your travels, uh, you give a shout out to a publisher we don't um, talk about all that often, but when we do, it's because we love what they do. Uh, in um, last order, back issue number 137 arrived, and I couldn't remember why um, this one caught my eye, but it's um, it's a totally 80s DC pre-crisis miniseries issue um, with a uh, with a version of the first issue of the Mike W. Barr, Trevor Von Eden, Green Arrow miniseries, um, which is actually Green Arrow, like the first volume of, of after he appeared in the Dollar Comics version of World's Finest Comics, um, for a few years, they um, they finally gave him his own miniseries, and that eventually, um, when that wrapped up, kind of wasn't used as he was the solo focus for a while until Mike Grell gave us the Longbow Hunters. But uh, I enjoyed this particular issue. I want to give a shout out to to Tomorrow's, and I want to recommend this particular issue because uh it was as back issue often is for me just an instant the time machine i was transported back to where i was when i was buying reading some of the many series they talked about in here um like legionnaires 3 which was a four issue miniseries illustrated penciled by ernie cologne beautifully penciled by uh, Ernie Cologne, inked by Carl Kessel, um, where the story was um, the time trapper kidnapped Graham, the son of uh, Lightning Lad and, and uh, Saturn Girl. And um, the uh, the author of, of the article, Jonathan Brown, he basically, you know, tells you exactly what happens within these four issues. Um, and I remember buying this i remember exactly 
the the newsstand that the, the candy store I was buying these issues from, um, and it was pretty much kind of laid out everything that happened, and for the most part, at least the story how the story went, uh, and it again brought me all the way back. the um, The story was, was plotted by Giffen, of course, being a Legion story, but. What was neat about the Legionnaires 3 is that uh, the Time Trapper was basically like, listen, you can't, like, it's just you three. It's There's there's four players in this tale. It's you three to three heroes and Time Trapper, and that's it. And if there's anybody else involved in this, the child's going to die. Um, and and Time Trapper's just one of those kind of weird characters. But, um, again, brought me right back. The other, uh, the other article that uh, that I enjoyed was the one on the cover story. Was the one on the Green Arrow miniseries. Um, they talk about when DC had the Robotech license. Um, <laughs> when, when, uh, because I remember, I remember the Kamiko stuff. Uh, I really remember a whole lot of um, the DC stuff, other than the fact that it was uh, penciled by Judith Hunt, who I think at the time she may have been married to. Uh, Chuck Dixon, but I just remember Judith Hunt from Evangeline, and that's that was that was a weird book. Um, she has a brother named Mike. <laughs> oh, you! <laughs> uh, there was a uh, the the um, America versus the Justice Society. Uh, they talk about that in this, where Bat- Batman basically accuses the JSA of treason, and and his diary is found, and Robin is kind of the forefront there. Uh, but the um, the really um, neat part for me in this issue was uh, the Tales of the Green Lantern Corps three issue miniseries um, that uh, basically was spun out of a cover Im- uh, an image that Brian Boland drew, um, and and they just thought it made it for a nifty idea to um, to tell a story about the core and, and, and that eventually, you know, that a couple of years later we would get the Green Lantern Corps quarterly and be introduced to a whole hell of a lot more Green Lanterns than just the ones um, patrolling uh, Sector 2014. But I just, I, I the, the Secrets of the Legion of Superheroes they talk about in this issue, I just, there were a ton, not a ton, there were a lot of, um, of, miniseries that DC put out before Crisis and throughout the rest of the 80s. But this is basically, um, as Michael Urie, and shout out to Michael, who is, who is who's kicking cancer's ass right now, and um, glad he's still with us to, to, to put out this book. But um, about five issues back, back issue did a, uh, the, their issue was about the Marvel mini series of uh, limited series of, of the eighties. Um, and, and basically what, what the thing is, is the, the whole reason why so, so DC had the first mini series um, in, uh, in 1979, it was the three issue world of Krypton, which was actually going to be um, the three issues were going to be a story taking place in the, um, the new showcase book which was basically designed to showcase new talent um but showcases cancellation gave them a reason to um 
put it in its own little three issue miniseries, especially because uh, the um, that little movie, no, Superman the movie, was was pretty successful. So they figured, why not? But the whole it wasn't just comics. The reason why comics got the idea is that uh, in 1976, television decided to go beyond the traditional season based series and, and and shows and storytelling and they decided to do uh television miniseries like rich man poor man and roots so comics figured well instead of having long-running stories or or, or our long-running titles and trying to tell different we're just going to do miniseries to just focus on certain characters or tell a different story than what's going on with the ongoing and um and nobody's ever looked back but this was an i Seeing some of the covers here, like for the Dead Man miniseries, the Aquaman miniseries, that gave us that that way cool new costume. Uh, there was just, I, I just, I was really, really into the uh, the miniseries from from Marvel, from from Marvel, yes, and 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 from DC way back then. But uh, in your travels, um, I definitely recommend checking out anything Tomorrow's publishes. I am extremely partial to back issues. So in your travels, check out something from tomorrow's. Cosine. Massive. Oh, co- yeah, massive cosine. Tomorrow's, tomorrow's. Thanks, Annie. Yeah, you, you cannot go wrong with tomorrow's. And yeah. and they, they are they actually recognize the fact that uh, unlike a lot of other publishers and novel publishers, uh, they will charge you a less expensive price if you decide to go with the digital version. Of oh, for real? And, I think it's yeah, like four I mean, bucks. It's well, uh, the Team Up Companion again by Michael Yuri. The two hundred and seventy-two page soft cover retails for thirty-six ninety-five. You can get the digital edition for fifteen ninety-nine. Right, uh, but I mean the periodic. But as far as yeah, the uh, okay, yeah, the Kirby Collector, Kirby Collector number 82, 84 pages for ten ninety-five, or the digital edition for four ninety-nine. Yep. So yeah, they're 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 looking out for you. They realize if you're not getting if you're not owning a physical copy of something, then by all means you don't have to pay physical prices. Yeah, that's why I'm thinking. Like, can you imagine what the numbers would be on digital comics if they were priced accordingly? Oh, like, it'd be insane. It would be remarkable. I don't want to say it would save the industry, but it would <laughs> just it it is it, it's it's stupid that I mean even even new books like new novels it's like it's it's twenty four ninety nine hardcover. Or the Kindle version is also twenty four ninety nine. Why? Yeah, like why? Right. Exactly. I, when when digital comics were first announced, yeah, a bunch of publishers are going <laughs> to embark on this dig- new newfangled digital platform. I'm like, cool. Uh, comics are going to be a buck because that's what I would charge for it. Yeah. It, I mean, I, as opposed to four dollars because it doesn't cost anything. You you have to make the PDF to print the damn issue. It's it's extra money. But when they when they charged the same amount for the digital version as they did with the uh, the physical version, I'm like, well, they missed the fucking boat. They did, yeah. I, yeah. I I get. I'm not defending the publishers in any way, shape, or form. I, for me, it's one of those instances where it's instant gratification. If I don't want to get it, if I don't want to get out of bed and get dressed on a Wednesday morning, but I still want my comics, then okay, you're paying for that. You're paying for the, to be able to read the comic before the comic shop is even open. You're not getting any ads. You're reading it before the rest of the world. You're going to pay for that premium price. But as far as, I mean, once, 
once that first day is done, once once all the people who bought it because they just wanted to read it first, then there's no reason to still keep a comic four ninety nine months later. It's just no. it's but even I I I understand I I don't like the fact that they're charged a certain price, but you're getting a little something extra if you want to pay that price, but there's absolutely no reason for a digital version of something to be the same price as right. a physical version. Make it easier to buy than it is to steal. Yes. Uh, he, buying a book for a dollar is far better than typing in a couple of keystrokes, going to a site, hitting download, and, and, and ripping them off. Like if it's a dollar, nobody's going to think twice. Mm-hmm. They would gladly pay that. I mean, how many, I would think how many songs were bought for ninety nine cents once it became like the real way to do it. Right, Jason's quiet, which means he probably has a different opinion on this. Uh, dude, I've ta- I've said what you've said a thousand times on the show. Mm-hmm. There you go. So we're right then, because if Jason believes it, then it's right. Hundred percent. Oh, yeah. well, I'm, I'm not being facetious. Explaining over the uh, at my company offsite about the the problem comics have above all else is that is that in a world of the bandwidth we have now i mean comics are such tiny files you know they're super super easy to pirate like it's you can pirate them from any part of the world i mean you know it's it's still in a lot of parts of the world it's hard to to download a you know a multi-gig movie i mean uh, much less hard than it used to be but but comics you you can you can you could be in a third world with with the spiders here in the world and you can steal comics yep that's the problem um but on a happier note, well, I guess maybe not. Well, it's interesting. Let's see what the, no, I mean, because um, in your travels, uh, I think most people are very familiar with Kate Beaton for her, uh, for yes. her, her, her book, Hark of, her, not her book, her webcomic, Hark of Vagrant. Um, but I, when I saw this book solicited, I, I absolutely had to buy it because it was um, a very strange and unexpected confluence of, uh, of, of things that... Uh, that I have some expertise in, um, and I'm talking about the newly released, hot off the presses from Drawn and Quarterly, Ducks, Two Years in the Oil Sands, uh, by the aforementioned Kate Beaton. Um, so this is, is is an autobiographical book uh, of Kate's um, years that she spent after graduating from college uh, in the uh, Canadian oil sands, Um so for those that don't know, uh, in Alberta, Canada, there is one of the largest uh, repositories of oil in the world. Um, but but the problem is for Canada is that it is not like it, it's incomparable to the oil that you would find in like the Guar, you know, pit in Saudi Arabia, which you just basically stick a straw into the sand and you, you get all this beautiful oil out for on the the problem with the um alberta athabasca is that actually the athabasca oil sands is that it's um it's incredibly difficult to extract it's 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 not like the oil that you think of where you 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 get a pump and it's 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 called bitumen it's basically like super oily sand uh and rock and uh and the so to get the oil you almost have to like go through a massive process where you're like scooping up the sand and the rock and heating it to extract the oil and then like pulling the oil out. And, and it's incredibly expensive and incredibly devastating environmentally, but you know, energy is going to energy. And so there is uh, just an absolutely massive um, 
um, oil extraction operation in that area that produces hundreds of thousands of barrels. Um, and you're saying, well, what does all that have to do with, you were saying, a confluence of things you know about? Well, um, we used to invest in one of the companies that, that extracted that oil for years, so I knew all about this. Um, and and as we learned more and more about just how devastating it was environmentally, we we, we sold the position. But I, I did know I did know I do know a lot about the the whole process in that area. And I can tell you that when I read this solicit for this for this graphic novel of ducks, I was gobsmacked at the idea that Kate Beaton worked in the tar sands because, <laughs> like, if anyone knows anything about like oil the oil rig industry or, or like, or, 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 or oil extraction industry in other places of the world. Like, you know, it to be uh, a quote unquote, like rough and tumble man, you know, quote unquote man's business. It is a, it is typically for roughnecks people that are very, very tough. The conditions are tough. It's, it's, it's hugely, hugely, you know, male driven, male dominated, very sexist. And so the idea that this petite, you know, 22 year old, uh, girl with an arts to graduate with an art college with an arts degree would have spent years there. I just was like, wait a minute, what? And I found this book absolutely captivating because, uh, as much as I thought I knew about the tar sands and the operation there, I did not know that, uh, like women, including her worked there, um, in, in like that capacity. And as you can imagine being a petite 22 year old woman working in that kind of environment would be, difficult in all ways um now this is like this 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 environment is like the most dangerous disgusting environment that it can be i mean in terms of like you know it, it is it is it, the air is 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 polluted it's it it smells of of, of chemicals it's you know it, it's it's very much analogous to back when people did coal mining and 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 uh pit mining and and they did it for a living because that was what was available, but it was basically killing them. Um, you know, th there are going to be, there are and will be long-term health issues for people that work in the tar sands. Um, so you might be saying, well, why the hell do, do people work there? Well, they work there because you can make an insane amount of money. Um, you know, just like it's, it's, it's a place where you can work, especially back, back then when, when Kate worked there in the, in the mid aughts. Um, and it, when there's an oil boom, you just, you can, it's for frankly, people that, that, aren't particularly skilled or well-educated in other industries can go and work at these places uh, and make like a killing. And I'm talking about like hundreds of thousands of dollars in a year, you know, they can, they can really, really make a lot during a boom. So she graduates from art school, Kate, and she wants to make art, a comics, but she's saddled with an absolute shit ton of student loan debt, which not unusual. So she gets the idea to leave her quaint town in uh, Nova Scotia and go out to Alberta and work at the tar sands to pay off her student loans. And that's what she does for two years. Um, and this book is all about that, that span of time in her life. Uh, and it did not go easily as you might expect. Um, and it, it was full of uh, fighting against a lot of loneliness and a lot of uh, 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 like rampant sexism and, and and even bluntly uh, some some abuse um some sexual assault and and uh, and it, it, like all kinds of all kinds of lows but what i really have to credit her for is that in spite of the setting and in spite of the fact that clearly there were some extremely stressful and 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 difficult moments that she dealt with she doesn't 
spend the 400 pages of this graphic novel making it seem like it was just hell on earth. She does focus on a lot of the good aspects of her time there, the friendships that she made, uh, the people that she came across that she thought were good people, uh, the fact that she did make enough money to pay off her student loans in a matter of two years, which allowed her then to basically become a full-time cartoonist, which, and as we know now, fast forward 15 years, it worked out quite well for her. Um, so, yeah, I, I thought it was absolutely gripping. And, and you know, visually, some of you listening may be familiar with her work from Hark of Vagrant, but um, this book is basically a talking heads book. I mean, it's it's essentially... Kate drawing herself, talking, sitting around and talking to other people or working or, 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 you know, sitting around tables or in work settings. Um, so it's, it's, it's not a very like visually, uh, uh, like illuminating book. It's not, it's, it's not a book that you turn the page and you're wowed by any of the, of the panels or, or the renderings, you know, it's, it's, it is just basically looking at a at a at a panel by panel of her having conversations and experiencing life but despite that because of the of the the subject matter and because of what a how vulnerable she got in sharing her own experiences i found it absolutely gripping now i am curious what others think of this this book is is i think came out two or three weeks ago it's it's getting all measure of 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 love from the critics so i think you know i'm guessing a lot of people will be enjoying this i am curious among our uh, our listeners, what they think of it, because I can't separate how much I know about the Tar Sands uh, from it, you know. Like, so it is an area. It is a thing I was already interested in, already had a lot of knowledge about. So I don't know what this would read like if you didn't know anything about the Tar Sands. Um, so I'm curious to hear from people that 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 this is all de novo for them. But either way, kudos to her for sharing her story and definitely a story that you. I talk about a unique start to a cartoonist's life. I, I would imagine very few comic creators have ever worked in that kind of environment, much less um, young women who were were living in modern times. So, uh, yeah, book is called Ducks, uh, Two Years in the Oil Sands by Kate Beaton uh, from Drawn Quarterly. Sounds great. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. It's a whole mess of pages, too. 400 pages, almost yeah. all the time. Yeah. I, I appreciate a big, meaty read. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And it was funny because my, uh, my, my partner slash boss, I, uh, we had an offsite this week and I was like, all right, y'all, I'm going to go, I'm going to go to bed and read some comics. And one of my other coworkers was like, oh, what are you, what are you going to read? And I was like, oh, I'm, I got this new, new graphic novel, uh, Ducks. It's about, uh, a woman who paid off her student loans by working in the, tar sands and, and my boss was like what so it turns out that he had seen an article a write-up about it and uh and thought it would be perfect for me so he had bought it for me for he was gonna give it to me for my birthday so i was like oh well, it's very thoughtful of you like you definitely that was definitely like a very thoughtful idea i'm like but it's always dangerous to buy me comics because like <laughs> yeah. like chances are yeah. i have i've 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 you know I don't, there's not many comics come out that i don't think about owning before you know yeah much truth in that statement, yep. <laughs> All right, everybody. Hey, once again, thank you so much for being here with us. We really appreciate you checking us out, and we hope you do so again uh, next time. You never know. There 
another ec- episode may unexpectedly mm-hmm. drop into your feed. Your ear holes. Yeah, who knows? We may be back before next Wednesday. But in the meantime, get yourself to a comic shop. Go buy some comics. Love them. Read them. Uh, hug your loved ones and just enjoy life. And in the meantime, say goodnight. I do have something to make noise with this week. <laughs> Not musical, but noise nonetheless. Um, what's his name? Oh, yeah. David. Mm. Night. He's going to screw it up. He's going to mess it up so bad. Everybody's going to point and laugh. David. <sighs> I think Jason was play, playing the castanets in the that background. Sounds like it. Little, little finger symbols. Do you have a rose in your mouth? No. Uh-huh. Nice. Watch them thorns. You get cut. All right, people. We love you so much. Tell them. Oh, boy. Bottom of the barrel. Every cowboy. Yes. Let's write a song that appeals to everyone. Okay. (laughs) Bye. Tell them you love them so much. Uh, More than than words can, can express. Right. Yeah. That's it for that one.